Every day she turns a new page. What we invest in our kids will be passed on to theirs. Hey, good morning. We are in the first Sunday of a brand new series that we're simply calling BetterParentBySunday.com. And what we're really uh, beginning to say to each other is, uh, if I parent the way that everybody else parents, if I do what culture says, can I expect to have any different result with my children than what everybody else is having? And so if you're in here today, though, and you go, look, I, I just think right now, culturally, we're doing a great job with our kids, and man, it is landing where it needs to land, then you're probably going to say, I don't necessarily need this. But if there's something in your heart that says, there's got to be a healthier way, there, there's got to be a way to help my child get better prepared be more ready to face what's going to come their way when they leave my home, and I'd be interested in hearing that, then you're in the right place uh, for the next six weeks. And how many of them here would say, you know, Lynn, I'm still not sure because uh, I've already raised my kids uh, and, and they're gone? How many would say, I've already raised my kids and they're back? <laughs> you get a second chance to ruin them. No, if you've, already, if you've already raised your kids and, uh, and they're gone and I get where you would say, hey, I'm not sure about this, but this is going to be a great opportunity to feel guilty over the next few weeks. Um, now, if, if, if you've already empty nested, if you've already uh, got your kids uh, out and going, you realize chances are they're going to be having kids of their own in fairly short order. And what a cool moment if your kids in the process of raising your grandchildren were to come to you in a moment and say, hey, you know what, I, I'm just not sure what to do next, and I'm, I've got this one child, and I'm struggling a little bit, and could you give me some advice? How cool would it be in that moment to be able to sit down and offer something? I, I, think, I think that alone is worth the next six weeks that we're going to do together. How many in here will go, Lynn, I don't have any kids yet, so I'm pretty sure I don't need this yet. How many don't have kids yet? <clears throat> okay. I think those of you that just raise your hands, this series, you may be the most important people in the room. You may be the ones who most need to hear this series if you don't have kids yet. Here's what I'm thinking. If you're learning to parachute, do you want to learn how to parachute in ground school? or while you're falling from the airplane. And, and there are some of us in the room, see, some of us are here sitting on the edge of our seat, can't wait for this to start because we're already parenting, and we've already got a sense the ground is coming fast. 
How much better for you to begin from the very beginning and say, no, 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 I've already got some principles, I, under, I already have some ideas, I've already got a basis as I go into this before you start. This may be huge and valuable in your life. You, you may never have a better time than this to work on parenting than before you have kids, before the panic sets in. Okay, uh, how, how many of you, when, when you were a kid, were introduced to one of these? Okay, all right. Um, those of you that have never been introduced to one, you can, these are really fun. All you have to do is uh, you take your fingers on either end of this and you push them in. They're called Chinese handcuffs, and you are now stuck. Uh, when, I was, when I was five or six, my dad handed me uh, one of these and, and uh, told me exactly what I just told you. Lynn, stick your fingers in, push them in. And uh, I, I immediately responded with absolute panic and fear. Uh, it realizing that I was uh, stuck in these. Uh, my dad, being the loving uh, sort that he was, laughed. <laughs> he then said to me, Lynn, would you like to know how to get out? I said, yeah, uh, sure. Um, and he said, you ready? Push your fingers in more. To which even at five years old, I mean, I wasn't that dumb. I looked at him and I said, no, dad, no, no way. That's how I got in trouble in the first place. And dad said, no, 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 no. Place your thumbs, push in, it'll release, and then your fingers will come out. Isn't that interesting? Exactly the very thing that your heart would say don't do, absolutely counterintuitive, it's the right answer. I'm hoping you'll take these, you'll put them somewhere prominent over the next six weeks. I don't care if you put them on the dashboard of your car. I don't care if you put them by your sink at your home. Here's what, here's what here. You and I are going to have some discussions over the next six weeks, and what we're going to say together is going to be absolutely counterintuitive to you as a parent. You're going to say, no, 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 my heart says I need to. You're going to say, no, 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 no. Culture tells me and society tells me that this is the way to parent. And some of the things that we're going to ask you to do, you ready for this? are going to sound like it would only get you in deeper. Some of the things we're going to ask you to do are going to terrify you. There's going to be moments over the next six weeks that you're going to say, that sounds too simple. That, that just sounds like such an easy, pat, in-the-box answer. Next. And if you skip over the answer, you'll still be stuck in your parenting. So here's what we're going to do over the next six weeks. We're going to issue the Better Parent by Sunday challenge, which simply is this. Would you, over the next six weeks, as we have these discussions together, almost every single week we're going to give you homework. We're going to give you something that says, would you go home this week and do this? Because if you'll do this, we believe you'll actually see things begin to change by Sunday, by next Sunday in your home. And if you'll do them the whole 60 days, we think you'll be so thrilled with what's happening inside of your family, you'll never go back. But what I'm, I already know before we get going, there'll be a Sunday, probably today, that you'll walk out of here and you'll go, no, no, no. Too simple. Sounds like exactly the backwards thing to do. My friends wouldn't understand. My neighbors would think I had lost my head. My, my, my parents would think. Next six weeks, would you take 
the better parenting challenge. You're not going to ruin your kids any more than you already have in the next 60 days. So what if, what if for 60 days, because here's the deal, I know some of us are going to walk out of here and not believe what we've heard. I know that. So I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to do it for 60 days and see what happens. See if your home isn't dramatically changed. Okay? Somewhere you can see it, somewhere you can remember. Let's talk for a second. You and I live in a society and you and I live in a culture that really says to us, more is better that if you're really going to be a great parent, then what great parents do is they provide everything possible for their children. That, that what you do is, is that you kind of put your life on hold because here's this child who desperately needs your help, your assistance, your guidance, your protection, and you dedicate your life during the 20-plus years that they live in your home into making their life as perfect as possible. On first blush, that sounds pretty good. I mean, you think, I mean, that sounds pretty benevolent and sounds pretty sacrificial. I, I got a feeling if Jesus was parenting, that's probably how he would parent. Self-sacrificing, children first. And here's what you and I are going to discover, that God is going to take society's answer for parenting and turn this thing upside down on us. That he's going to say that, that parenting's not about more and more and more and more and more and more. It's about doing it well. It's about doing it in a way that produces healthier, stronger kids. And that is not a volume. You ready? That is not a volume issue. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, as you and I set aside and, and just say, look, for the next 20 years, my kid is everything in my home. You and I will create child-centered homes, homes in which everything we do, every function of the family, every function of the home is about the children, and it's all focused in that direction. And although intuitively that sounds like good parenting, it's the most destructive way to raise a child. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's, chances are, chances are when... Uh, you started out, uh, you and your spouse got married, and it was you and them. I, I brought this picture from home. Lisa and I hang this on the wall because the people in the frame are better looking than us. We, we tell people that's what we looked like when we were young. Okay? But chances are, when you started out in your relationship, in your marriage, it was you and your spouse, and, and that, was, that was top shelf within your family. That was the most important thing going on in your family. And, and you had the opportunity in there for some other things. Chances are you worked out so you'd look good for your spouse. Probably started some sort of a career so that you could provide for your family. Guys, there was even time. <laughs> and, and truth be told, as you began as a family, as you got together as a couple and got married, the, this was pretty simple stuff. And, and there was actually room, 
room in your lives. I mean, you know, all of a sudden a lake day came up and you could go. I mean, there was room. And then came the fateful day. You came home and your wife looked a little strange. And she said to you, honey, we're going to have a baby. To which men, you all said, yay. <laughs> and in that moment, <laughs> in that moment, all of this changed. Okay, all, Because here's what, here's what happened. See, suddenly, baby became number one. Baby became the priority within, I mean, and, and you, you get it. I mean, we're talking about a helpless, defenseless, tiny little child. And the truth is, if you didn't make baby number one, about every two or three hours, they lodged an official complaint. <laughs> so so life, life began to adjust a little bit <laughs> in your lives. But guys, this, this wasn't the end, I mean, because a whole bunch of stuff came with baby. Birthday parties. Birthday parties for one-year-olds. Do they even know you're there? <laughs> and play dates. Play dates. Because, because you ready for this? Because I've got to make sure my little 18-month-year-old is playing with other appropriate 18-month-olds. And all the kids in the neighborhood are hootlums. Playdates. Do you remember when you were a kid what a playdate was? Go out in the yard and come back when it's dark. That's a playdate. Playdates. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there were other things like sports started coming in. And then, you ready for this? Sleepovers. Don't you have a home of your own, kid? Sleepovers. And of course, we want them to be like a, a, a good citizen, and so there was Girl Scouts, and he had to be the den mother-father thing, and it's a little girl's cheerleading. And then, you ready for this? You have another. And, and if this wasn't already complicated enough, full enough, now, now there's karate so they can beat up the mean neighbor kids. <laughs> and now there's, there's more sports stuff going on and more leagues. And God forbid that my child actually be halfway good because then there's all-stars. <laughs> no, no, no. Every parent who's had a kid take music lessons knows exactly what. And then you got to do their homework for them.
who cares about algebra? You never use it anyways. <laughs> and, and you get that, that if we were really honest in this room today, most of us would go, that's me. And that is, that is, that's my family. Let me ask you a question. Where'd the marriage go? How many would agree with me this morning that marriage is a pretty tough proposition? Okay, some of you are going, I can't raise my hand. Uh, my wife would hit me. <laughs> but I believe, Lynn. How many men in the room would go, hey, you know what? Uh, marriage would be just totally great if women wouldn't act like women. No, you weren't supposed to raise your hand. That was just, that was one of those jokes. I was doing that for a laugh, but you're in trouble now. Um, wow. <laughs> Marriage is tough enough. You're telling, get, wait, 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 let me get this correct. You're telling me the plan is that, that we're going to put marriage on hold for 20-something years till our kids get grown up. And then we're going to try to re-engage again. We're going to try to reinsert into this thing. And, and that's the plan? That's parenting? We wonder how come so many empty nesters after their kids grow up and leave the home all of a sudden look across the breakfast table and go, I don't think I like you. <laughs> did, did you know that the second highest age group for divorce? Empty nesters. When their kids leave home. And all the purpose of the family goes with them. What if, what if the greatest gift and the greatest parenting I give my children is a healthy marriage? You realize that if, that if you live in a child-centered home where everything's about little Tommy, look, 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 I get this. I get that when they're newborns, this is how it, I get it, I get it. it it's a season when they're a newborn, and life does revolve around a newborn. All I'm simply asking is, when did it change back? When did you shift back and say, little Tommy is not the center of the world? And, and you get this, you, look, look, if you continue that, if you live and, and if the family exists for little Tommy, you realize you're going to raise an incredibly selfish child. If they've spent their entire lives believing that you exist as mom and dad simply to make them happy, then someday they're going to come to the stark realization that says, hey, wait a minute, you mean the whole world doesn't exist for me? Deeply confusing. And, and you, want, you want to hear the really terrifying part? It's when little, the universe revolves around me because I've been raised in a child-centered home where my parents put their entire lives on hold for me. And now he marries Sarah from a child-centered home. 
and she believes the universe revolves around her. How many guesses do you want about what that marriage looks like? And I'm going to suggest to you that you and I, when we make our homes child-centered, don't do our children any favors. Tell, tell me one experience in real life outside of the context of your family where the world is going to revolve around them. Somewhere we've, we've bought into this idea that the fuller the shelf, the better the parent we are. See, what, what we've somewhere told ourselves is, my kids need to have everything that I never had. And if I can do that, if I can provide for them unbelievable experiences, unbelievable opportunities, that's what it takes for them to be a whole, well-rounded person. How many of you grew up before cell phones? Is that remarkable that you turned out even sort of normal? <laughs> Do you realize your kids are headed for counseling right now, even as we speak, because you said no to a cell phone? You, you guys want to get how old I am? When, when I was a kid, you had to get up to turn the knob on the TV. Here's the mistake, you guys ready? We have somewhere bought into the philosophy that it is about making our children's lives experience rich. They, they've all got to take that band trip to Europe, and, and they, they've all got to have the latest Xbox, and, and, and as long as I give them enough experience, the things that I never had, that somehow they turn out better than me. Our children are growing up with lots of experiences and no experience at life. Because every single thing they've ever wished for, you and I have handed them. And children raised in a child-centered home are completely unprepared for what's going to happen when they leave your home. So someone said, well, okay, well, wait, wait. what would this look like? I mean, what, what are you saying? How, what, what's different about this, because everybody I know, this is what their life looks like if you've got kids. Better question is simply this. How would God say this needs to be different? If God was going to order the shelves, how would God order the shelves? So grab your Bibles real quickly this morning. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. And if you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left a little while, you're going to find this book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. So let me set this up while you're going. Ephesians is probably the most powerful book in all of the Bible about relationships. If you want to figure out how a husband ought to treat his wife, if you want to figure out how to be a great employee, go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians tackles relationships dead on. But I think maybe one of the most powerful things in the book of Ephesians is simply this. God begins to prioritize the relationships in my life. He begins to say, look, 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 do this, make this happen first. And if you do, it makes the next thing so much more simple, so much easier in your life. And then do this second and come back to third. So the question comes, if God was building the shelves, if God was saying this is what our home and this is what our family looks like, and if it's not going to be child-centered, 
then, then what should it look like, God? So go to Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says, therefore, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. Now, you realize what he just said, he says, first relationship, first thing you got to get right, first shelf, me. Get that one Right. Matter of fact, you ready? He's going to spend the next 21 verses talking about what does it mean to put God on the top shelf in my home, in my family, in my life. Number one, God would say. Interesting little verse in Scripture says, Thou shalt have no gods before me, including Tommy. Second relationship. Move down in Ephesians just a little bit further. You start in verse uh, 22, and all of a sudden comes that intriguing passage about husbands and wives. And it closes with verse uh, 33 and simply says this, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Start with God. 21 verses, God first, this is what it looks like. Then he immediately goes and says, the second priority within your home is your marriage. 12 verses. 12 verses on having a great marriage. Shelf number three. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Guess how many verses God's going to spend on children? Four. Four. And guys, that's not because God doesn't think children are important. What he's trying to get across and what he's trying for you and I to catch this morning, he says, look, in the context of a family, in the context of doing this, me first, 21 verses. Your spouse, 12 verses. And if you want to get context, your children, four. Because, because, wait, wait for this. If you get the first two right, you're going to take an awful lot of pain out of the third shelf. And then, and then for the rest of us, guys, chapter 6, verse 5, he goes on and says, and here's how you treat your employer. Here's how to be a great employee. What would that look like? What, what would that do if you and I unpacked the shelves of our lives and repacked them the way God just said? God first. You say, look, just unequivocally, without apology, me first. That, that, that has to become the most important thing. Guys, you want to hear why this is so crucial? I guarantee you, your family is going to go through storms. Some of us know that all too well with the finances that are going on. right. But guys, guys, if that's the worst you and I go through, we're lucky. Wait till a child rebels. Wait till a loved one dies. 
And in the midst of that storm, you want to know what the anchor is? You want to know what's going to make your family solid? You know what's going to give your children confidence? My family is a God-centered family. God then comes back and says, you can't do this. Are you kidding? Whoops. Oh, Nellie. I tried that once. It didn't work. Okay. See, God would come back and say, no, 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 no. You, you make that relationship with your spouse the number two priority within your home. That you ready? The greatest gift you ever give your child is the love and the security of your marriage. My wife, Lisa, if you talk to her about growing up, you want to know what her favorite story to tell about growing up? It's her parents going out on date night. And Lisa was the oldest of four sisters, so guess who got to babysit? And guess who never got paid? That's why you have multiple kids, free babysitters. But can I tell you, if you want to see my wife's eyes glow, ask her about mom and dad's date night. Because he, she got the opportunity to watch mom and dad court each other. There is nothing more powerful that you and I give to our children than a secure marriage. It's why it is so drastically desperate when you and I put that relationship on hold to raise kids. It's the wrong answer. And, and then... I know this is going to confuse some of us in the room who have made jobs like a huge priority in our lives, but then God comes back and says, no, no, no. And, and, and it's okay. There's, there's other stuff that can go on the shelf, and there's things that need to be there. Hold that. Okay, there you go. It's okay. It's okay. And, and chances are, that's always going to be a little bit of a busy shelf. That's just, that's what it is. Sheesh, we gave up on that a long time ago. But I'm not even sure why that was still there. And then God would say, and my employment and what I do comes next. Hey, guys, we've already said this brings the stability in my home. This brings the joy to my home. You ever been on an airline and you're sitting there? You know that part at the very beginning where they're saying, turn off your electronics equipment and we're still playing a little longer? Remember that part? And, and in the part of that explanation, they say to you, hey, uh, you know, if the cabin should lose pressure, you know, this thing's going to fall down. And uh, if it falls down and you're with a child... What do they say to do? Put it on your face first. You realize that's because airlines hate children. <laughs> They're sitting there going, who cares, little kid? <laughs> you know, one last kid in the world. You, know. you, know, you, get, you get what airlines understand. If you get knocked out of the game, you're of absolutely no good to your child. 
surprise you that God would say that about your home? If you and your spouse get knocked out of the game, your, your kids will suffer. And then God comes back. Hey, for all of us that have allowed kind of our careers and work, and I, I, guys, I get it. I, I get it that, that, it's e- that it's easy to define success at work, and, and, and there's a job description, and, and people are telling you and me all the time, hey, you are the top producer, and it is so easy. And, and here's what we tell ourselves, I'm simply providing, see, working my two or three jobs so that my kids can have everything and we can fill up the shelves, I'm providing. You get that when we get to heaven, God just told you and me He's going to ask us about the shelves, and He's going to ask in this order. He's going to say, was I priority in your life and in your family? Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about raising your kids. Tell me about how good an employee you were. He just told you. Okay, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. I get the moment, guys, because here's what a bunch of us in this room are doing. You're going, that's the Jesus answer. I remember this from Sunday school. When I was about eight and you sat in Sunday school, no matter what the teacher asked, you went, Jesus? <laughs> How many disciples were there? Jesus? You know, because about 90% of the time, Jesus was the right answer. And so if you're not careful right now, you're going to go, okay, God first, my spouse. It's the Jesus answer. It's the simple answer. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's simple in thought. But the truth is, I guarantee you most of us in this room haven't been able to figure out how to do this yet because it's darn hard. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm, I'm going to challenge you for 60 days to reorganize the shelves. For 60 days. Somewhere between now and mid-October, just 60 days. Because here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident if you'll do this, if you'll listen to God's priority, if you'll follow this structure, that by next Sunday you'll start saying, well, this is, this is changing things for me. And by 60 days you'll never go back. The only people in this room who aren't going to benefit by this are the ones who are already doing it. So what would that mean? What does it mean in your life to make God a priority and number one? And I know, I know there are some people in this room right now who say, look, Lynn, I, I haven't even figured God out. I mean, I'm pre-Jesus. I'm, I'm just even trying to figure out if this religious stuff even works. Or, that's okay. That's okay. So let me ask you to do this for 60 days. Would you keep your heart open? Would you for 60 days say, God, if you're really there, if, if, if this is really true, would you speak to me? And would you let me see you at work? I'm going to ask you, would you consider reading your Bible? And that sounds Would you consider reading one chapter a day? Start in the book of John. I'll take you five minutes. Five minutes. But what if you found God there? Okay, so if you're pre-Jesus, keep your heart open. Would you read one chapter a day, book of John, five minutes? For those of us in this room 
who are already Christ followers. You're already, you've already made that decision. You're already coming along. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For 60 days, would you make attending church the top priority of your family? You just say, hey, for 60 days, the Johnson family, it's not a discussion. We don't wake up in the morning and decide whether or not the Johnsons go to church. We're going to establish a new va- The Johnsons are going to go to church for 60 days. It's a way of putting God first in the Johnson family. That's, that's what we're going to do. Second one. Chances are every one of us in this room who's been journeying with God knows an area of our lives that God's been speaking to. We, we know something that God would say, look, if, if you and I were going to do the next thing, if you and I were going to get something, then this is, this, is, this is it. Some of you, it's going to be the shows you watch on TV. For some of you, it's going to be for the first time volunteering to serve somewhere at church. For some of you, it's going to be giving for the first I don't know. I don't, whatever that thing is that you and God know is the next thing. Would you for 60 days be obedient in that part of your life? Putting God first in your life and in your family. Second shelf. Would you set aside one night for you and your spouse every single week? One night to court your spouse. How many women going, boy, if my husband set aside one night a week, I would hate that. That would be so, I would be so disgusted with my husband. Any women? All right. Neither would your kids. So I get it. I get we're all in different seasons. I get for some of you that just means putting the kids to bed early and finding a way to spend time afterwards. But you know what? If it's possible, here's what I'd like to encourage. If it's possible, one date night a week. In the winter's household, it's Thursday night. Thursday night, come whatever. I mean, I don't care what happens. Lisa and I go on a date because there is nothing else more important than our date. And if we miss, we make it up. Lisa, make sure we do. No, okay. So what would that mean? Okay, and I get that we, but one night a week in which you court your spouse. Third shelf. What if for the next 60 days, you and I said, look, my children can be involved in one outside activity outside the family. So one soccer league, one karate practice, one activity. That's it. Some of you are going, my kid's going to the NBA. We can't do that. You know what the truth is? If you're sitting in this moment with fear, I already know what your shelves look like. You're not going to ruin your kids any worse than you already have. One activity no more than two nights that your family's out doing activities. You say, Lynn, I got 15 kids. <laughs> then they're going to take turns. And guys, 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 can I just say this? You get that quality family time is not you standing on the side of the soccer field talking to the other parents while your kid inflicts scars on the other kid's foot. You know that, right? That's not family time. What would it mean for one semester, one, one activity per kid, no more than two nights per week? And then finally, and I refuse for my work to intrude on the other three shelves. You get how much simpler life is this way? 
you ready for this? Your kids might actually be home in the evening and you might end up spending time with them. Sixty days. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if you're sitting here right now and going, Lin, 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 it'll never work. I don't care, I don't care. I'm not asking you to be convinced. I'm asking you to do it for 60 days. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we just simply come before you. And God, if we're just really honest, we have so parented by culture. We, we have so bought into the idea that says more is better. And, and, and our job description as parents sounds more like a taxi driver than a mentor. And so, God, we're just, we're just in this moment that says, what would it look like? What would it mean if we simply had the courage to redo the shelves, to simply say, in our home, God will be first, and, and we will carve out time to make him a priority? And in our marriage, our marriage will be the greatest gift that we give to our children. If we don't do anything else right as a parent, we'll model a great marriage to our kids. And God, what would it mean to not fill our kids' lives up with so many experiences and instead teach them the experience of life? Sixty days, God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.